Hello, you lovely lot, and welcome to Who Knew, a Doctor Who podcast. It is, if I'm counting correctly, episode 40. Um, we've had more episodes than that, but my numbering has, has gone all over the place, quite fittingly, um, for, for a Doctor Who podcast. Um, and as always, I, I get I bring you wonderful guests all of the time. You know that I do. Uh, and I, today is no exception. I have got a writer for Big Finish, and we love a Big Finish writer here at Who Knew, uh, especially this one. It's the one and only Timothy X Atac. How are you, Tim? I'm good, thanks. I'm very well. Thanks very much for having me. Yeah, it's an absolute pleasure to have you. Um, obviously, for, for anyone, surprisingly, who wouldn't know your work, I doubt that there's many out there, but... Um, You've written for Big Finish for a few years now. Uh, you've written for a variety of Doctors, namely recently the Young War Doctor and the Ninth Doctor yeah, in their, yeah. their respective adventures. So I, I'm I'm a big fan of those ranges, so I'm very excited to chat to you. <laughs> yeah. um, but let, let's start where I always tend to start, which is at the beginning. Um, so Doctor Who, were you a fan of the show growing up? I was, yeah. I've, 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 I've been a fan for as long as I can remember. I mean, um, I had a, an kind of like, I reckon it's quite an interesting um, introduction to the to the show generally. In that I did not, it wasn't primarily through TV. I, I grew up um, right. in Brazil, in Rio de Janeiro, right. and sort of I was I was there until about the age of ten, um, and uh, so. Only very, very rarely did I get to see any any kind of like Doctor Who on TV growing up. But yeah. whilst I was out there, I um, was like sort of gifted a whole bunch of books, and it included a whole bunch of um, the Target novelizations and oh, yeah. some uh, and the the making of Doctor Who was another one of those. And I think it probably like prompted some memories from just before my family left for Brazil, where I think, and this might be a false memory, I'm not sure, but I think. I saw like sort of the end of um, uh, one of the episodes of the Pirate Planet. I have this kind of like um, this kind of uh, like sort of uh, a very very distinctive memory of seeing uh, Tom Baker walking the plank into a white void and falling away, yeah. and that sting leading into the final music. And I think it yeah. must have imprinted on me somewhere. <laughs> Because I, because as soon as I was gifted these books, I gravitated towards them immediately and consumed them in kind of like a couple of weeks, um, and was was hooked from there on in. Um, so, in a strange way, you know, my my original doctors were were like a whole bunch of you know one through to four, yeah. Um, and uh, then that took me to the Marvel comics, which were kind of available out in Brazil. And that took me to Doctor mm -hmm. Who magazine. And that was my contact with the show until about the age of 10. Um, when I when I came back to the UK and uh, was dropped straight into Colin Baker's first series. <laughs> wow. That's a that is a fascinating way into Doctor Who. I love <laughs> well, I, I, I mean, I love hearing people's stories, no matter what they are. Um because uh, and a lot of people who come on the podcast are similar to me, where it's yeah, I started watching it in two thousand and five, didn't really know about it beforehand, um, or started watching it when I was a kid. Well, that yeah, is yeah. that's fascinating. So the the Target novels, um, reading yeah. Target novels in Brazil, which seems like a, a mad image to me. Um, well, well, yeah, especially yeah, so in the, Rio. The, yeah, 
Yeah, the, the raw material that I got was kind of like the was 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 the stories, and I didn't, you know, I didn't I didn't have the kind of like the, that that visceral experience of seeing them on TV. But at the same time, mm. it it really kind of like immersed me in that world, and there was very little difference for me between like sort of reading a, a Patrick Troughton story or a Tom Baker story or anything like that. Mm. Um, and um, and at the same time, like I said, I had the the making of books, so I kind of like understood the 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 basics of how it was all put together. So I got an introduction to it as a as as um as a as a creative act as well. This this idea that the program was passed on from writing team to writing team and was not necessarily the yeah. work of an individual, and so it was all very. I think that probably cemented an interest in kind of like the world building nature of Doctor Who. That's mm-hmm. that's that it, t- it took me into that area rather than it being something where I was like sort of um, engaged in a particular actor or a you know a particular yeah. a particular villain or something like that. Yeah, that's that's so <laughs> fascinating. So the, out of those early Target books, I imagine a lot of Terence Dicks. Um, yeah. So yeah. What, what are there any that stick out in your mind as? I like distinctly remember that particular story, or is it more of just uh, <clears throat> morphs into one yeah. big blob of of target books? Yeah, the deadly assassin really got me. I think it had yeah. it had a particularly gruesome cover with with kind of like the the the, the decaying master on the front. So I yeah. think I naturally gravitated towards that, <laughs> yeah. and um, and then and then I think the story itself was just I I loved that kind of like that sense of a. Of a decaying Time Lord society, which I, which you know, then I, I got into before I kind of understood the backstory behind it from the yeah. from the perspective of kind of like the, the second Doctor onwards. Um, so yeah, there was there was that one that really drew me in. Um, the Abominable Snowman, that kind of the Snowman, sorry, that that kind of um, that had a few scattered illustrations throughout, which really really yeah. intrigued me because you know. Um, uh, Tratton's Doctor was such a kind of like a, 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 a sort of like fascinating in his outfit, <laughs> and I kind yeah, of, yeah, um, and and I found I found that um, I, I found the kind of like the, the images that that conjured up in my head were were fantastic ones, and it was always really interesting in the years to come to kind of like uh, having having held these these stories for so long to like sort of find the find the DVDs or, you know, stream them and, and, yeah. and kind of like have the, have yourself slapped in the face by the reality of the budget. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, what, one thing that, that intrigues me then, if that, if that was your major in, and like you said, you were exploring like Doctors 1 to 4, but you've, you've barely uh, at that point seen anything. I imagine you've probably not seen anything from 1, 2 and 3. So are yeah. you at, at that point, it, does does the doctor sort of morph into one continuous character rather than these separate incarnations that we sort of view them as does it does it yeah, more become I, like a continuous narrative for you I th- on on some level yeah i think you mm. know obviously um tom's doctor was so kind of like uh was 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 so like sort of um, such a forceful presence that it was difficult not to see anything with him in it, even if it was the, the mm-hmm. tiniest little sliver of something, and not be, um, and not be absolutely kind of, um, uh, uh, kind of like enwrapped by that. Yeah. Um, th- there was just there was just something obviously about his 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 um, his, his persona as the Doctor that that really 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 connected with with people of my age. But um, 
I do, but I do remember also that it wasn't necessarily an entirely kind of like it was something that I entirely kind of like um, uh, accepted no matter what. There was one occasion out in Brazil where the uh, well, the, the first Peter Cushing film was um, was actually broadcast on uh, Brazilian TV. And my mm. parents woke me up in the middle of the night. I was allowed to get up out of bed and come and watch it because they knew that I'd never forgive them if I wasn't, you know, if I wasn't allowed to yeah. see it. And I do remember sitting there and watching it and sort of thinking, "This, this isn't Doctor Who." Not buying it. Right. Not, not, not accepting it. He's, he's what? He's human. Hang on, this doesn't work. <laughs> I, re- I remember that. I remember having that sort of like that moment of fan panic, even at that, even yeah. even at the age of six or whatever it might have been. Yeah, and so, I was going to. That, that's almost an, ishi- an initiation as a as yeah. a real hardcore Who <laughs> fan. You, uh, all of us have got that moment where you see something, you know, no, 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 that's wrong, that's wrong. We don't yeah, like my, it. Yeah, my nieces and nephews are going through it at the moment, and they're kind of like there are certain things that they're just like getting very, very angry about. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. Um, so I mean, obviously, with with the the writing and the the, the story aspect of of Doctor Who being so prevalent in, in your younger years is that do you, would you say that that's something that maybe led you more towards being a writer or or is there more external forces that that made you want to move towards writing because i know that you've you've had a bit of a i believe you had a bit of a career change as well so you've you used to be a composer is that correct yeah yeah it, re, it remains a patchwork i did yeah, yeah. <laughs> i I, start, I started out as a composer but I, and i still you know now now and again i make music but it's largely yeah. for, it's largely for for a, a kind of like contained bunch of circumstances but mm. um uh, and and that might yet change again, but uh, I I think I was the, one of the, one of the first creative things I ever did was started I started um, drawing cartoons and and doing and doing what are now called graphic novels, you know, and I yeah. filled up filled up plenty of notebooks with kind of like s- strange superhero characters and things like that. Um, I think the, the the presence of science fiction was there from a from a very early age. I think I was not I was not only into Doctor Who, but also kind of like found myself. Um, very very attracted to Star Wars and stuff like that, mm. um, and in terms of in terms of what led to what led to the writing, well, yeah, I think there's absolutely no doubt that the uh, that kind of like the, um, the, the the astonishing proposition of Doctor Who as as a as kind of like um, a, a, the storytelling basics of it being so so simple and so yeah. kind of like. And so, at the same time, so kind of like um, um, inspiring, that you know, if if you boil it down to it, com- its components element, uh, sorry, its component elements, it is, you know, any travel to anywhere in in space and time is possible. Any companion on that journey is possible, and no one entirely knows who the Doctor is. And it's just those three mm-hmm. things. No, you know, and and they shift and change throughout the years, but that's it. And I think I could feel that from an early age, and sort of think this is this is an um, astonishing way to like sort of kick any story off at all. Yeah, yeah, that is that it is fascinating, um, and uh, obviously your your journey is a sort of crossed paths now in in a way that you are now <laughs> writing Doctor Who, so they've they've sort of combined yeah. in a way, um, and that's through the medium of of Big Finish. Um, Obviously, Big Finish is a is a big sprawling web of content. There is so much of it. Um, how did you get involved in in that world? How did you come to to start writing for Big Finish? 
Uh, I asked. Um, I asked. <laughs> I I, um, I uh, asked my agent to um, send some some stuff their way, and um, and mm-hmm. and if and if I might be allowed to like sort of pitch for a pitch for a, um, pitch for some stories. Um, I had um, kind of like I think. I have to confess that I'm not I'm not massively up to speed with like the entirety of the big Finnish canon. It would take a yeah, while, I, d- I imagine. I don't think many um, people are, <laughs> to be fair. So don't worry yeah, about that. Yeah, and yeah. um and I I kind of um I kind of but but I but I knew that, you know, that the bits and pieces I'd certainly heard plenty of stuff on on uh like sort of uh the stuff that was broadcast on the BBC, I'd heard that and I had mm-hmm. um I've been uh, fascinated from um, a, an early age again by the possibilities of Doctor Who audio, so um, so I you know I I just I I wanted to like sort of um, uh, I I really really wanted to like sort of let loose this pent up energy that I've you know building yeah. up of, through many years of kind of like devising Doctor Who stories. I just mm-hmm. thought I just thought you know um beyond like sort of constantly knocking at the door of the tv series itself i would i would love to like sort of um be part of this amazing expanding universe that big finish are building and yeah so i got my agent to get in touch and um yeah. and uh, sometime later they got back and said <laughs> okay well send us some ideas and mm-hmm. i did and they i think they chose the one with the best title here's my top tip Spend time on your titles. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they, 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 every single time, I, it's without fail, uh, the uh, the big Finnish team will go for the ones I consider to have the best titles. The best titles, yeah. So was the was your first the wreck of the world? Is that is that correct? The wreck of the world was my first. Yeah, your yeah, first. Yeah. 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 So you've now obviously uh, over over the past few years you've you've clocked up a few doctors, which which is exciting. You've got yeah. you've got two, four, eight. War yeah. nine, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, I, my, mm-hmm. I first came across your writing in the the Ninth Doctor Adventures, literally yeah. a, about a month, two months ago, because yeah. um, I, I binged all of those sets in about a month. Um, everything that's out up to now, um, just from me personally. Your two stories in those sets are absolutely magnificent, oh, and I mean it's it, it was a, it's a joy to me anyway hearing Chris back because Chris, Chris is my doctor, he's my first doctor, yeah. um, so the idea of um, I, I don't know why it took me so long to get around to to binging all of these these audios to be honest, but the idea of him coming back and having more stories with his doctor was yeah. so exciting to me. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But obviously, there's that thing that every Doctor Who fan has, which is like, oh, I, I really, hope, I really hope they're good, and I really hope there's some <laughs> some really interesting stuff in there, and uh, especially with your two stories, there there is. Um, so obviously, you've got Planet of the End, which comes in the second box set, which is a fascinating, <laughs> weird story, which I I absolutely adore. Um, where did when you got told about pitching for the Ninth Doctor, and obviously it's it's quite a big event for him to return. Um, yeah. What what in your mind were were you thinking? That's where you could take the Ninth Doctor. 
or <laughs> first, what, what, what first caught, came into your head, really? The first thing that came into my head was, ah! Um, <laughs> and uh, I have to say that that, uh, that, that feeling of uh, uh, wanting it desperately to be good, um, when, when, you're, when you're actually writing the thing, that, that applies, <laughs> that applies yeah. in a huge way. Um, I, uh, it was, it was, there, there was a, there was a, um, a, 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 sort of like an enhanced excitement to the whole thing for me because it happened during lockdown and it was obviously lockdown was a very, very strange time mm. and, um, involved quite a bit of, um, it involved quite a bit of kind of like sideways steps for me in the kind of work that I was doing. And then, and then the possibility of, uh, writing for uh, Chris Eccleston's Knife Doctor came up and yeah, I, 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 I'm sure it was the same for every writer. I immediately spent, I dropped everything and spent quite a while <laughs> zipping yeah. through lots of different possible ideas. And also I sort of felt that th there's a sense that every now and then with, with some uh, pictures for Doctor Who stories, you can kind of like assume that the the Doctor is transferable in s on some level. I mean, it's not always the case, mm. but which doctor it is is there's an aspect that you can kind of like um that you can you can take as red that can jump from one doctor to another in this yeah. case it it felt like it it wasn't true at all and i think for me that there's it might have been a little bit of a personal thing um in that you know like in 2005 when i when i watched that first um series in the revival it was um the, the, I, it was it was an incredible feeling, and looking looking back, I, I began to realise, you know, as as the episodes went on, that every time I was switching on the TV to to watch a, another episode, I was watching it as a kid. Yeah, you know, I was I was kind of it was something that I'm not sure I even got as a teenager, you know, back in back in the back in the kind of like the the later um, John Nathan Turner years. Because I think there was a little bit of me that was kind of like already being teenage critical of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, and of course, the program was in a kind of like a rocky patch there and was, you know, with a, with a few incredible exceptions, was kind of like struggling to make its way. And I, and I was desperate to like it. But in truth, I was very often more, um, it was a bittersweet experience, let's put it that mm. way. Yeah. Um, I've, often, I've often said that when you, you know, when you when when you when you're a Doctor Who fan, you you absolutely love Doctor Who, even when it's not all that good. Yeah. And, and back then, I loved it a lot. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was a lot. I was like yeah. like a parent. I just had to I had to love it an awful lot. Um, and um, so, but with the with the 2005 series, I was in a place where I was genuinely watching it as a kid. I was kind of like reverting to being just like in open mouth wonder every single week. Mm. Absolutely loving every last bit of it, so I, I was I was very very keen to um, to, to to find that <laughs> uh, to find stories that would 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 reflect that. I wanted yeah. something that was going to have a kind of um, that was going to leave me awestruck as well, if that was at all possible, whilst I was writing it. Um, so that was my main condition, and, and of all the, the different ideas that I threw um, at, at, um, at Big Finish, uh, in, in that, in that particular week during lockdown, I think, um, uh, it was, it was kind of, there was, there was quite a bit of back and forth, um, in those, in those conversations. It wasn't one of those where I pitched an idea and it just worked out straight away. Sometimes mm -hmm. that happens, but in the case of the ninth, the first ninth Doctor Adventures, it was, there was a, there was a little bit more, um, 
uh, a little bit more kind of like a conversation about what exactly was needed and what would be ideal for like sort of the different box sets and where they were going to land yeah. and all that sort of thing. So bit by bit, these different ideas started to form and little bits of them were were kind of like not considered quite right and then they came back together. So it was kind of that first planet at the end was sort of a patchwork of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I always had the the um, graveyard planet, but exactly how it would be how it would be represented wasn't exactly wasn't wasn't completely sure. And in terms of the villains, they kind of like came and went in different ways. There was a yeah. there was a slightly more uh, the the maybe the the kind of like the sacristans were a bit more of a bureaucratic like sort of thing. There were more of them to begin with, all that kind mm-hmm. of thing. And then piece by piece, what I realized that I was really going for was something that was what, the, the glue that held it all together was when I thought, um, I want this to be like um, like a Studio Ghibli film for the Ninth Doctor. I want it to yeah. be, I want it to be like um, the bit in Spirited Away where she gets on the train and is accompanied by like sort of a you know a fly and a hamster and a lamppost or whatever, and <laughs> and and is wandering through this like this lovely bucolic landscape on a quest. Mm-hmm. And you know, I wanted that, but with the Ninth Doctor stalking along. Being followed yeah. by some wonder, being so, followed by some wonderful creatures and surrounded by odd things. So that's yeah. that's what made it all like sort of gel. Yeah, and I mean it, that that definitely comes across. Um, mm-hmm. And I I absolutely I mean Fred is uh, I love I love Fred. Sometimes you just you just get a bit of magic, and sometimes everything just comes together in exactly the right way. And the performance yeah. of Fred, the performance of Fred is astonishing. And I think um, that that chemistry between Fred and the Doctor is like sort of just the, the becomes the backbone of the whole thing. Yeah, um, and it just yeah, it just it just all comes together in this really really magical way. And yeah, it's a joy to listen to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean there, there's some some wonderful moments in there, um, and. It's I, I there are there are times with Big Finish, uh, and this is purely a me problem, that my my attention just wavers, and I it can be quite a hard medium to get into, because yeah. um, if you're list if you're if you're listening to it while you're doing something, um, yeah. then all of a sudden your mind's gone for two minutes, and you're like, oh god, I've missed like half of the important plot points. While I've been doing the washing up, and then you've got to rewind, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you, you end. I'm I'm a lot like that, but um, this one, start to finish, no no, no breaks. <laughs> it did. I, I must say, it did help. I listened to it while I was on holiday, so I was sunbathing at the time, ah, okay, and um, right, I was you know listening to Doctor Who audios about graveyard planets whilst sunning yourself <laughs> in Tenerife. It's a very weird. Weird way of, of experiencing Doctor Who, but it, it really really worked. But I I loved it. Um, I mean that these box sets for the Ninth Doctor I think must be so challenging to write because there's so many things that you've got to. It, it's not like you're going in writing a a standalone. So if you're writing a tenth Doctor story mm. in the the middle of his run, you 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 can sort of just drop in. And you, you know, the the doctor, you know exactly where they're at. Here, you're basically visualizing a, a side to the doctor that we haven't yet seen. This is pre-Rose, like we haven't seen the ninth doctor on their own. 
we yeah. haven't seen how they dealt with the immediate aftermath of the of the war what they were doing uh, you've also got the the challenges of there's no companion there's no constant yeah. companion so you sort of have to build and introduce that that aspect of it in your own story and yeah, then yeah. close it off by the end yeah. um what did, did you find that aspect of it challenging did were there a few times where you just thought god i wish rose was here so that i could just have her ask a load of questions or was it was it more fun to to try and experiment with with those challenges basically yeah okay potential controversial opinion time um <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you know one of, one of the one of the beautiful things for me about um the the doctor who universe and and like sort of the, the, the particularly kind of like about the the precedent set by the tv series is that it's a it's a story without an author it doesn't have an originating you know kind of like um authorial presence yeah. um which is you know it it, it it began as a as a kind of almost as a as a as a focus group exercise and was handled by a whole bunch of different writers and sure there are people who in, who introduced like sort of huge um uh huge like sort of um uh, 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 like sort of concrete aspects that that we've come to know and love in the series but um i sort of feel like one of the astonishing things about it is that it's remained a responsive thing the doctor who sort of like universe has remained something that like sort of responds to necessity yeah. and it's kind of like one of those things which i think as a as a as a study as a writer it's an amazing thing to look at because it's essentially like sort of 60 year it's a 60 year game of consequences <laughs> played <laughs> out between you know hundreds and hundreds of different writers and you know different people who to begin with with like, like producers and now as showrunners um so i i kind of like feel that um that it's as valid it's as valid a thing to respond as a writer to um to like sort of a, a desire uh not to not to investigate a particular as a particular like sort of facet of the of the doctor's character as as happened with the ninth doctor adventures where it was mm -hmm. Pretty early on, it was kind of like established that um, Chris was not all that interested in going into like sort of the the, the darkness and the grief mm -hmm. um, of that character as as kind of like bubbles up and spills over in his in his series on TV as the Doctor. Yeah, um, and that immediately to me was kind of like there was a little moment where it's like sort of oh god, that's a relief, great. Mm -hmm. So we can we we don't have to think about that continuity. We don't have to think about yeah. building that up, and it just felt to me that um, that kind of like you, you, every now and then with Doctor Who, you've just got to let that stuff go. <laughs> you've yeah. just got to let it go. Yeah. Because actually, actually, we're writing it for here and now. We're not writing it so that it can slot in perfectly to like sort of this this particular part of the, the universe. And mm -hmm. yeah. I just, I just felt straight away that it was kind of like it was um, as, as soon as that happened, and it wasn't something to worry about. It was massively freeing, mm -hmm. yeah, and 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 sort of at that point, anything was possible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it meant that it meant that these stories could be like sort of rip roaring tales of adventure, and that would be fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I love that aspect of it um, because because of Chris's performance as well. Because yeah. you get to see, oh, obviously, you, there, there's a lot of um, 
incredible stuff from Chris in series one with all of the grief. But I love just hearing Chris have fun like as as the doctor yeah. just letting yeah. loose especially now after everything that he he's been through in the in between um and obviously he's he's had a bit of a rocky relationship with Doctor Who over the past 15 years um and for him to come back and just uh, you can hear it in his voice how much he's loving these scripts and these stories and just having fun with it um I think it's the the way to go if you're going to do it, you know. It's r- rather than retreading all of that old ground. Um, but yeah, I can I can imagine that it, it's it's incredibly freeing. Um, I do just want to touch on your your other Ninth Doctor story because it oh, is yeah. it is one of my favourite Santaran stories, if not my favourite Santaran story ever written. <laughs> um, Salvation Nine is. So fun, so much fun. <laughs> I absolutely adore it. Um, I can't tell you. I can't tell you how much fun it was to write. It was. Oh, it was it unbelievable. Was. I'm. I'm. A, I'm a quite. I'm quite a. I'm quite a. Um, when I can, I'm, when I can be, I'm quite a physical writer. I will very often mm-hmm. get up and deliver the lines because I want. I want to know if they're going to be uh, sayable to begin with, mm-hmm. and I also want to know if it's going to. It's going to. Um, inspire people who work on it so I, I, wa- I want to, I want to get excited by it myself so I very often get get up and wander around and do stuff I was doing that so often in Salvation Nine. I was doing it all the time <laughs> yeah doing your, your best Sontaran impression um <laughs> I yeah. mean it it must have been lovely I, I feel like as as a writer if you're writing for the Sontarans if you're if you're writing something down and you know that Dan Starkey is, is going to say this line that's a very reassuring place to be because it's like D- Dan Starkey is just going to kill this line. Like you, you, Dan Starkey is the Santarans for me. He's the the quintessential actor at this point. I certainly, um, I certainly had him. I certainly had him in my head. It was, it was very yeah, difficult not to, and especially, especially with the, especially with the Salvation Santarans who were kind of like mm-hmm. obvious, obviously riffing on that, um, on that uh, uh, Strax type Santaran yeah. um, created created by Stephen Moffat, but. Um, I think um yeah there was there was also the the question of of who might be the old school Sontaran and I have to say when I heard when I heard Dan doing his kind of like his um uh his old school BBC um you know RSC actor slumming it on Doctor Who impersonation <laughs> it was it was a, it was an absolute joy it was kind of like I just I just couldn't stop grinning <laughs> yeah I, I again listening to it. I I couldn't stop grinning either because <laughs> I um I, I I immediately took to Twitter and was just like, if you haven't listened <laughs> to Salvation Nine and you like the Sontarans, please go and listen to it because it is it. I I love I love seeing something different. I, I my two my two favorite Sontaran stories, which are this and War yeah. of the Sontarans, which obviously aired last yeah. year. So I've yeah. been spoilt for Sontaran stuff recently. <laughs> um, I they're two completely different stories because for me, War of the Sontarans is a greatest hits of the Sontarans. You get a lot of the tropes, you get a lot of the the old favorite. You get that wonderful new design as well, um, and it works as a, a wonderful tribute to them. Um, yeah, but yeah. Salvation Nine just does something completely different with them. I'm so ex- I, I was so excited <laughs> that first reveal, um, obviously yeah. of the, the the 
the concept behind it. Uh, I won't go into too much detail because I don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't listened. For sure. Um, for sure. But I, I would urge anyone to. Moving on from, from the Ninth Doctor. Yeah. Um, to another Doctor who you, you, you seem to have gravitated a little bit towards Doctors who, who don't have the longest of runs. Um, <laughs> you, you've, got, you've also got um, so, some War Doctor stories behind your belt. Um, some young War Doctor stories yeah, with yeah. Um, good friend of the the podcast, Jonathan Carley, hey, who okay. who does an an incredible um, War Doctor. He, he's it's, it's he's obscene. Amazing. Yeah, it's bizarre. It, it is ridiculous, <laughs> isn't it? It's it's absolutely it's ridiculous. Like a, yeah, yeah, yeah. He he did it a bit. He did a bit live for me when when he was on the show, um, ah. and it was it was like getting dropped into the time war it was yeah, actually okay. quite scary um but um what what's it what's the the differences for you because obviously the war doctor if you, if you're going from the ninth doctor who's dealing with who's you're sort of ignoring yeah. the whole time war aspect and then you're going to the war doctor and you're dropped right in the middle of it um how, how do you you tackle writing for for the young war doctor which I imagine is again has a lot of a lot of freedoms in terms of characterization. Yeah, I mean, um, I think that Doctor is still the Doctor. I have to say, mm. I think you know, there's 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 kind of like a there's kind of like a funny uh, red herring that runs all the way through that storyline. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same at the same time, I still like asking that big dramatic question of what what um, what led. Uh, subsequent regenerations to reject that that mm. incarnation, um, and I think the the I think there's um, the trick is that when you're kind of like um, part of a of a team of writers exploring this 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 character in greater and greater depth, yeah. um, you don't really want to uh, blow that possibility in your own you know in just in one fell swoop. Yeah, you don't you, you don't want to kind of like. Um, Knock everything else out of the out of the water and and um, and and have the and have the, the the appalling incident that will that will seal seal this doctor's fate for good. Mm-hmm. So there's always this slight this this gradual act of chipping away at um, at what the at what the kind of like the uh, the, the the real atrocities of the time war might be. Um, so every single every single time I I do one. Um, there's there's this little question that I have about what is you know what's what's the next step what's the what's you know and it sometimes it's a little bit it's a little bit of a stumble and sometimes it's um it's a full on kind of like a, um mistake mm. you know a, a real proper error such such as um the doctor in other, any other incarnation might not make um yeah. and so and so yeah each time I want, I wanted that sort of like to be bubbling away. The thing that I've seen recently that most makes me think about this is kind of like is Better Call Saul. Um, and I don't mm. want to, you know, for any, for anyone watching that series currently, I don't want to spoil that either. But yeah, I know I'm, that I'm, a, I'm in series two at the minute. But ah, okay, go there ahead. You go. Go but for I, it. But I know that I, I know I, I know that the, um, the the central dramatic question of that for the people who wrote that series, um, and I think it was was um, what. Uh, what does it take to create Saul Goodman? What does it take mm-hmm. for a man to become Saul Goodman? Um, and and to chart that. And I think there's for me a similar thing going on with the War Doctor. You you yeah. kind of like um, it's it's a it's a slipping towards darkness, and you want to and you want to you know show those steps one by one. 
Yeah. Yeah, I mean, your 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 stories for the War Doctor again are fantastic. Hey, thanks, um, thank you. I mean, <laughs> Rewind. I I love. I I listened to Rewind today. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Um, I, again, I'm not going to spoil anything. Well, yeah, yeah. It's tri- I, it's, tri- it's, tri- it's tricky not to talk about. It's very it's very tricky to talk because I again <laughs> I, sp- I especially don't want to talk about anything with Rewind. But, but there, but there, the I wanted, to, yeah, I want, Ooh. I wanted to create a, I wanted to create a situation which was absolute desperation and and despair and yeah. and kind of, and doing that without it not being Doctor Who, you know, yeah. without 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 losing those those quintessential Doctor Who elements, um, but I think there's you know there's there's an aspect to each time you you you're also bound up in things that are essentially war stories of course and mm. I th- the the original kind of like um, briefs from um from uh i believe from Nick Briggs um for the for the war doctor stories were were for for each of them to feel like um, a war film of a of a different kind yeah um so so there was that sense of you know with with the first one with consequences i want i knew that i, I was going to be part of telling a longer story and then there was going to be lots of conversation between the, the the three different writers and with matt fitton about how that that all like sort of slotted together mm-hmm. but i thought that for my particular segment i'd gravitate towards one of those war stories which is actually a road movie as well which is kind of like you know something yeah. like apocalypse now or something like um uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly, that has this kind of like this long extended journey with lots of different characters, you know, drop, you know, coming in and dropping away, and mm-hmm. having different roles to play in it. So I knew that that was our, what I was focusing on for for that first War Doctor story, and then for 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 Rewind, I, I just it just it just felt like there had to be something that was like um, not necessarily a war film as such, but like that that absolute sense of despair that must come from being in in, in the trenches in something like World War One. Mm-hmm. Where it just it just felt cyclical. It just felt like this yeah. thing would, would just keep returning and never, never, ever stop. And of course, with Doctor Who, you've got a very, very you know good device through which you can tell that. Yeah, yeah. And um, a lot, like I said, I, I again, I love your War Doctor stuff. I love the just all of the the War Doctor stuff that's that's coming out of Big Finish at the minute. And I think Jonathan Carley is again just phenomenal yeah, and he yeah. he, he lights right. lights up the scripts um but but your work for them is is brilliant um Thanks, we're going to take a, a very short break um okay. very very short break but when we come back we've got some features to attend to oh, the yeah. first okay. of which being the dvd collection so okay yes. we will see you in a couple of minutes I am still your host, Josh Carr, and I am still here with Tim X Atac. Um, wonderful, wonderful uh, first half of the show. Uh, we delved into a lot of a lot of wonderful stories that were written by Tim, but it's time to hear about a story that Tim loves, and a story that Tim deserves. Uh, a story that Tim believes <laughs> should go in. 
the DVD collection. The Unicorn and the Wasp or Love and Monsters? Which one do you think I prefer? No, I mean, which one do you want to watch first? You are pulling my leg. Well, um, um, I, had, I, had to, I had to read the list of things that had already been chosen about like sort of six or seven times. It's of, getting in, in long. Dis, it's getting really dis, long. No, 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 no. <laughs> but I had to read it in disbelief that this hadn't yet been chosen. <laughs> right, okay. So, That's cause, exciting. Because I'm, I'm going to go for Genesis of the Daleks. Oh, my Be God. Because, <laughs> because um, there's, uh, I'm going to have to like do a call back to the first half of the podcast here because mm -hmm. of this, um, this aspect of me growing up in another country and not really having any kind of like um, connection to the TV show itself. And um, but what I did have um, one uh, fateful Christmas was I had, a, I had the present of the audio version of Genesis of the Daleks on cassette. Oh. Lovely. Um, so this was this was you know gradually over the years worn out from the amount of times that I played it. <laughs> so I knew this I knew this story first and foremost as a sixty minute audio drama. So right. here's another here's here's another thing that feeds into you know the uh, the the big finish side of things. And I tried not to spoil it that earlier on. <laughs> yeah. But um, but um, I knew I knew Genesis of the Daleks uh, first of all as. An audio story, um, which was had has you know like sort of for those who don't know it, there there are bits of um, Tom Baker narration mm -hmm. on um, on on this cassette version to on, on vinyl version to um, like sort of fill in particular gaps or speed up bits of the story, um, and then it's kind of like left to uh, it's just it's just stuff that's lifted off the original broadcast and it's mm -hmm. left to the listener to fill in an awful lot of the gaps. And it works surprisingly well. It kind of like you know, there's every now and then where you're not quite sure who uh, Nida is coshing, for instance. <laughs> every now and then you're not entirely sure who's talking to whom because some of the voices are slightly BBC similar, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, uh, <laughs> um, but it was but it was still one of those things where it just like sparked my imagination in the most away, amazing way. And then I didn't, you know, see the uh, there was there was one time when we uh, kind of headed back to um, England on holiday, and I was able to see a little bit of um, a repeat of Genesis of the Daleks that was being like sort of broadcast. I think it was in '82, and I think it was during a, 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 a season of repeats called Doctor Who and the Monsters or something mm -hmm. like that. A little, this, is, this, is, this comes from a little bit of kind of like Google-based research. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I did definitively see um, a bit of Genesis of the Daleks and still it was, a, it was, an, it was an edited down version. So mm -hmm. I never really got to see the full thing um, I knew that I knew the story from having read the Target novelization, um, but I never got to see the full thing until it was released on VHS in uh, in the early nineties, wow. and then and then I then I got to sit down and watch all like sort of six um, glorious episodes of it. Yeah, well, I mean, firstly, <laughs> I like like I said, there's a lot of episodes in here, and the. Genesis of the I, I mean I'm quite I'm quite annoyed because you've taken away my one example that I use <laughs> all of the time 
of a story that will eventually get into the DVD collection because it's so <laughs> infamous as being one of the best Doctor Who stories. I always say, well, you get your stories like Genesis that'll probably get in here someday anyway, so pick a weird one. Um, but I am so glad that it's in because um, obviously it's lovely to hear. I love hearing people's personal connections. And even aside from that, everyone, what is there to say that hasn't already been said about Genesis of the Daleks. It's it's one of well, the greatest still, Dalek stories it's, it's ever. Still, yeah. Yeah, and it still stands up. This mm-hmm. is one of the things about it. It's kinda like it's one of those it's one of those um kind of like classic Who stories that still kinda like has a it's pacey as hell. It's a real you know, I think um Barry Letts described it as a page turner and it you know it yeah. it, it it is. Um, you know, the fact that, you know, we, we all know that our, all, all our classic Who favourites have, you know, one or two things that always lay them low. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, it's like <coughs> Harry and the Clam, um, <laughs> you know, that were, is, 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 is probably the case here. Um, but uh, but all, this, all the same, it's kind of like it, it has a, it looks great. I mean, this mm. is one of the things that, um, that always, that I always sort of slightly forget about um, Genesis of the Daleks, probably because of the fact that I, I know it first and foremost as a soundtrack. But I, I forget how good it looks and yeah. how good it looks in comparison to an awful lot of stuff around it, even in even in those wonderful se- first few Tom Baker seasons. And it, it mm-hmm. kind of like, um, yeah, it has that, it's been, it's been lit in a, in a creative way and in a way that probably... Um, my, I, I imagine it might have raised eyebrows at the time because of that standard way of lighting BBC sets that was there because TVs weren't weren't the best in, the best you could imagine and you know, like sort of you wanted to make sure that you know yeah. um, that that grannies in Birmingham could see every last bit of it <laughs> yeah. I think, as, as the phrase was I think in the studio at the time mm-hmm. but um, but in this case you know you have these amazing kind of like even the corridors look good. Yeah, they're kind of like the people pass in and out of lights as they move down the corridors, and it's that's how atmospheric it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so many, so just so many iconic moments. You've obviously got the um, the, the 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 wires scene is is just yeah. That's one of the the biggest Doctor Who moments that that always gets brought up. Um, yeah, that's that's in the. I mean the the corridor of fame that we get to later. That's the clip that's used in the theme tune to represent Tom ah. Baker. Is <laughs> okay, do yeah. I have the right? And yes, you've yes. got that entire scene with with the Fourth Doctor and Davros as well. well. All of the moments between the Fourth Doctor and Davros, but you know the the um, the yeah, the yes, I would do it. That is yeah. Oh all God. all that st- all that all that stuff and all that kind of like all those all those moral grey areas was mm. such a. Fantastic thing to have to have experienced as a kid. I have to say, there was a kind of even as a kid, I kind of understood that the um, the kind of like would 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 you kill that child? That sequence was a, a kind of like an allusion to Hitler and and questions about you know what would yeah. you, what would you do if you understood that a great evil was born and you know you, you might have the ability to stop it. Um, even 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 back then, I understood that that's what it was talking about, and even then, I understood that there was kind of like a. A, like sort of a genuine question there, a real question, and this is this is what I was mentioning earlier about about proper dramatic questions that drive a story forward, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and the fact that it ends with a like kind of like a, a 
well, only a kind of like a, a half victory for the Doctor also makes yeah. it stand out in the most amazing way. And there was me, you know, back in the day as a kid, thinking, "Wow, this is this is this is possible." Things yeah. don't always end with the Death Star being blown up. It mm-hmm. can end like this, and it can still feel right for it to end like this. Yeah, very much that that sort of Empire Strikes Back kind of quality yeah. of, of yeah, the, the sort of loss thing. at the yeah. end. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, fantastic pick. I, what, again, what more <laughs> can I say about Genesis of the Daleks? It's. I mean, we've got an abundance of Dalek stories here already, um, because. Everyone loves the Daleks. I mean, I, I've got the wrong side. But I've course, got all of these yeah. boys here. Um, and also, we've got an abundance of, <laughs> of fourth Doctor stories as well. I, I can't, I don't have the list in front of me. I believe okay. this may either yeah, take him joint yeah, yeah. top with the Tenth Doctor. He may edge it. Okay. He may just be one yeah. off. He's, he's, it's them two battling out at the top for the most stories in the DVD collection. Um yeah. But you've definitely helped Tom's case here by putting one of his best in. So, um, wonderful Great. pick. Glad to, be, glad to be part of the team. Really. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, definitely part of the team. Um, now, obviously, we have had some, we haven't had an abundance of questions from Twitter today um, mm. because a lot of people are very excited that you're coming on, which is always wonderful. Um, So we're going to try and plough through those in a segment that I fondly call Bloody Twitter. For God's sake! Bloody Twitter! Excellent. Yes. You just just need to say it in the way that Matt Smith says it. That's what you need to do. Well, I mean, the theme tune is David Tennant saying it in Broadchurch. I thought that Matt Smith was a little bit too on the nose. And we've got a lot of Doctor Who in here, so I thought I'd mix it up with a... (laughs) <laughs> with a, 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 a who adjacent clip instead, maybe I'll change it one day, and maybe we'll get a bloody Twitter All from, from yeah, Matt yeah, Smith. Yeah. Maybe it'll regenerate. Um, Fair dues. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> we've got a stack of questions here. Um, firstly, from Cal, uh, loyal, loyal listener of the program, uh, at generic underscore tweeting. Uh, Cal has a couple of questions. Um, yeah. First one is how does it feel having one of the coolest pen names in Doctor Who? (laughs) It's got to the stage now where actually um, people are pronouncing it correctly because of a a distant cousin of mine who now has her own TV series um, and I I believe was on things like Celebrity Juice and stuff like that, Emily Atak. So, oh, right. um, okay. so, so we've got we've got to the point now where more often than not, when I'm kind of like going about my my what I laughingly call a daily life, uh, people people are, are pronouncing my surname right, <laughs> rather than but X rather, attack, rather than which as I imagine in, you've an had X many attack times. or something like that. Yes. Yeah, it, it, yeah. It, it, in fact, I, I think the American branch of our family do pronounce it attack, but um, but there you go. That's that's yeah. in keeping. So yeah, <laughs> um, I mean it is. It it uh, it looks incredibly cool, uh, especially it's the almost, X. It's it's almost all real. It's almost all real. But like you know, like you said, I started my um my career as a composer, and mm-hmm. there is another Tim Atak who's a composer. So I had Why? to okay. I had to in fact um, who is in fact um, Emily's um, uncle. So I had oh, right, to. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and we both and we both in the past have worked with comedians. 
um, like sort of like he's he's worked with Ricky Gervais. I worked with Matt Lucas back in the day, and we've both. Yeah. There's there's all so many ways in which we might be confused. So um, <laughs> so I kind of like um, I, I he he worked for quite a few years before I I sort of like um, graduated. So I, um, uh, I I bowed to his seniority and put a, a stupid initial in in the middle of my name. <laughs> Because for all kinds of complex reasons, I'm not allowed to use my genuine middle initial. Yeah. So you know, right? Okay. <laughs> so why why did you pick X? That's my. Is it just because uh, that it's was, the one that, that was, you never see? It's it's partly because it's um, it's meaningless and attention seeking, but also <laughs> uh, because there was um, there was a precedent in in the in the shape of um, one of the producers of Futurama is David mm-hmm. X Cohen, and I thought, okay, well, nice. I'll just go, I'll just go with that as well. I'll just go with that as well. Well, <laughs> wonderful. Um, I mean, I I love it. It's a great name, great name, very very <laughs> solid name. Um, uh, Cal's other question. It's doing good work for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is. It is. Yeah. Uh, Cal, Cal's other question is: What's your favourite <laughs> story out of the ones that you've written for Big Finish? Oh man, it's uh, a tough one. It is. It is tough because they'll they'll always. Um, I don't know. I, I, there's there's a. I really can't answer that. They all have different. They've all had different qualities, and I have to say that every time I do a Big Finish story, I try to um, somehow. Make it make a change for myself and make it a little bit different and move along in mm-hmm. some way. So, I, um, I really really enjoyed writing stuff um, where I was effectively trying to um, uh, represent the the, the uh, sort of like the feel or the uh, or the aesthetic or the themes of a particular era of Doctor Who. I really really enjoyed doing that. And now, mm-hmm. the more of them I write, the more I'm kind of like moving away into kind of asking about. What what would it feel like if this era of Doctor Who was a little bit different was pushed in a slightly different direction? Yeah. Um. So I have I have a great I've got a really really great fondness for Salvation Nine because it kind of like feels like it has a a mixture of those two elements. I can mm-hmm. I can sort of imagine it being part of um, Chris's era of Doctor Who. Can sort of imagine it being part of the uh, of Russell's era of Doctor Who. Um, mm-hmm. And at the same time, it feels like it might have pushed in a slightly different direction. And yeah. I've got the best. I've got the best of both worlds, effectively. <laughs> yeah, yeah, perfect. I yeah, like I said, I, I imagine that, like you said, writing Salvation Nine as well is is a lot of fun because I I yeah, yeah. I haven't done much writing myself at this point. Um, I'm a budding writer, but I haven't done a lot yeah. of writing myself. But um, well, okay. But, welcome to the club. That's that's the same yeah, for every writer. That's you. how every thank writer you. would describe themselves. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but writing for established Doctor Who monsters and villains, I I, I love doing that. It's a lot of fun for me. Um, and yeah. if and yeah. when I ever write a Dalek story, I'm I'm gonna let loose because um, that's <laughs> that, that's gonna be that's gonna be me and my element. Um, the next question is from Jack at an underscore awful underscore Jack. Again, very good friend of the show, the host of an awful lot of running podcasts, which you should oh. definitely go and listen to. And I will be back on that podcast on their battles in fandom in a few weeks because I somehow won. So now I'm through to a winner's round. <laughs> I've fluked, I've fluked oh. somehow debating about Doctor Who. So now I'm going to be uh, back on. Okay. So if go and check that out and, and follow Jack, because then you'll be able to catch it in the future for anyone at home. Mm-hmm. But anyway, Jack has said, 
a fantastic guest. Uh, absolutely love love Timothy's Ninth Doctor and ten, uh, Ninth Doctor and War Doctor scripts. Which Doctor Who villain is your favourite, and which would you like to write facing them? Which Doctor would you like to write facing them? Oh blimey! Okay, all right. Um, which Doctor Who villain is my favourite? That's a very, very difficult question to answer. Mm. I have, I have a kind of like, um, I think, I know Big Finish have done some Sutek, I believe, but mm. there's kind of like one of the interesting things about Sutek, and one of the reasons why I think Sutek has this allure <laughs> is because um, there's relatively little of him, and and yeah. he's, and yet he is kind of like this, uh, this, uh, this, this all-powerful, um, like, sort of completely malevolent uh, manifestation and um, could, could like, sort of... There's, 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 a, there's a great deal that you might be able to explore. And, of course, there's that, uh, there's that great mystery of, kind of, like, um, the, the connection with, with Egyptian myth and Earth and aliens and that, that, mm. that sort of thing that we somehow we keep... The modern humans keep naturally gravitating towards that idea. Um mm-hmm. So I think I think there's something I'd, I'd like to see. I'd like to see Sutek meet twelve. That would be interesting. Yeah. That would I be mean, I that, there's not really a doctor pairing with Sutek that I think doesn't work. They all work in very different ways. Yeah. But I think I'd be intrigued to see them all. Nine, nine and the, the ninth Doctor and Sutek would be a great face-off. That would be a. I, I, yeah. I, I think I I mean I'd be intrigued to see some of the lighter doctors as well. Like yeah. I, I'd yeah, love yeah. to see Jody. I'd love to see Jody versus Sutek because it no, it's completely be different. Yeah. It, you, you wouldn't you wouldn't you wouldn't expect that kind of doctor to have the not not that she doesn't have the gravitas, but you know, she's not necessarily one of the the big booming powerful like yeah. Lording it over, controls a room kind of doctor. Um, yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. seeing that doctor against Sutek would be very interesting. One of the interesting things for me about Twelve's journey is that he's got this um he he's got this he's got this journey from kind of like a a kind of like that that um that uh question that always surrounds the doctor's character um from day one about kind of like his you know how 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 self motivated is he? All that sort of stuff, um, and then, and then with with Capaldi's Doctor, there's a, there's a there's a fact that an awful lot of the latter part of his his seasons turn into um, questions of what it is to be kind, and what it is to kind of like be a be. A, he turns into a benevolent alien again, basically in in mm. in full, um, and so there's it's that side of twelve that I would like to see meet something like Sutek. Yeah, you know, is what what kind of is 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 kind of like being kind enough against something so malevolent and powerful, um, mm. and of course I I I believe it is, but um, but that's one of the that's one of the great it's it's a great political question as well in some ways it's a great political yeah. metaphor, so yeah, yeah mm. that's a good that's a great pick great answer very <laughs> very good answer. Um, Jo- write that one down. Write that one. Down. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Joshua Carpenter um, again, another dear yeah. friend of the show. They're, they're, they've all come out in force um, at Joshua CC two five two on Twitter. He said, 
what dream box set run would you love to run yourself or be a, a creative lead for uh, for Big Finish? Okay, all right. Um, I think actually a, a while back I started like kicking around um, uh, ideas for ideas for kind of like unusual combinations of characters, and I sort of like mm. I thought there would there would be a really really interesting thing if you did a kind of Doctor Who version of um, this is not necessarily involving the Doctor, but a Doctor Who version of uh, Suicide Squad that just involved all the kind of like the um, either slightly amoral or easily guided robots in the series <laughs> in, 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 in some case maybe some of the maybe some of the genuinely evil ones as well but you know kind of like if you yeah. teamed up I don't know D84 with uh, yeah. Drathro from Impossible Planner and you know like um, a renegade Mavellan or something like that, and you have this 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 kind of like this team of this team of they've got to be robots because yeah. there'd be there'd be something driving this which was about like sort of servitude and about like being mm -hmm. being kind of like um, morally in hoc to 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 like sort of a, a bigger more malevolent force. Mm -hmm. Something like something like that, I think, would be very very interesting. Yeah, <laughs> I am. Um... I am so on board for that. There is, <laughs> I'm now thinking of every robot in Doctor Who, and thinking yeah, yeah, could yeah. they work? Like I'm thinking, my my mind immediately went to Gadget Gadget from Oh yeah, yeah, okay. of Mars with 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 a gun, but maybe going akimbo this time. AK forty seven. What's, what's it? The doctor says, "I, I hate a, a wacky robot, or I hate a silly robot." Oh, it's a, it's yeah, a funny, it's a, ro silly, funny yeah, robot. A funny robot. Yeah, uh, yeah. Hate funny robot. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's where my my mind immediately went. But that's a great pitch. That's a great pitch. <laughs> um, I I hope that is sitting on Nick Briggs's desk, waiting to be made and commissioned <laughs> right now. Um, uh, Joshua's other other question uh, oh, was. Yeah. Uh, any tips for someone who hypothetically wants to learn more about writing, who loves it, uh, but only has a GCSE in English? Um, and he also said both of you guys are awesome. So thank you, Josh. Um, thank you Thanks, Josh. Yeah. Um, tips for, yeah, oh, just, well, I don't know. Um, give, given that I've kind of like had a, had a strange, like sort of, like I said, patchwork career as a writer and, uh, you know, like sort mm -hmm. of, um, it, it, it always it's always coming and going. I think that's a... That's a, a just like a, a, a given for most writers' careers. Um, I think um, the the, ma the main thing is just to to write as much as you can and find as many opportunities as you can to get it seen by people. And I have to say that there are lots of there are lots of ways in which in which people who don't necessarily have have kind of like um, have a massively channeled career as a writer can find themselves um, uh, like sort of with uh, with bits and pieces of attention in the industry and mm -hmm. the. One of the best things that I ever did um, was uh, was a, a, a Channel Four course called Four Screenwriting, um, mm. which is run by a guy called Phil Shelley, and it was it was it was an it was an amazing piece of kind of like um, um, artist development for me. It, it gave me the opportunity to write a you know to write um, a, a pilot for Channel Four and to um, sort of like have that picked picked apart by professionals. Um, and that's open. That's open. So things like that are open to everyone. I mean, you know, it, it it helps to like sort of like hone your scripts before you send them off to anything like that in a big way. And it sort of like um, 
uh, and it feels like there are more and more opportunities for doing things like sort of like setting up your own stories in podcasting and stuff like that. I, for one, mm-hmm. would like to see like to see many more fiction podcasts. Probably doesn't mm-hmm. surprise you to hear that, but yeah, I I just I just find the find the outlet that suits you best and start and start making stuff for it. Just start you know writing and making things. Um, the the GCSEs and A levels won't matter ultimately. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's for me. I think the main thing for a writer is the quality of your listening. I think it's about how you listen mm-hmm. to things, how you listen to people, how you feed that into your stories. Yeah. Well, it, when it comes to starting writing, I I, I must say I know Joshua um, oh, because yeah. I'm I'm running a, a, a like a Doctor Who fan audio project. He's writing yeah. for that. He's also writing yeah. for about sixteen others. So if if, <laughs> if anyone right. doesn't need that advice, it's Joshua. Joshua is writing about four hundred scripts at, at any given time. So Joshua, crack on. Um, well, yeah. Prioritize Absolutely. mine, of course, but you know, crack on. Um, <laughs> um, and uh, next question. Um, obviously, we've we've mentioned it briefly that that you're a composer. Um, another friend of the show, Dalekian, who is a a, a Doctor Who yeah. um, orientated composer, but a wonderful composer of anything in his own right. Yeah. Um, he said, Timothy, I love your work, and your 2018 remix of the Doctor Who theme is a personal gold standard <laughs> for what I want uh, for what I want the theme to be. So, I mean, there you go. I, I expect you weren't <laughs> expecting many composer questions today, but um, yeah, obviously <laughs> that is that is something uh, from Dalekian there. Uh, but his question is, uh, what would you want? Uh, the theme for Shooty Gatwa's era to look like or sound like? Amazing question. Oh, mm-hmm. and another, another. How how long have we been talking for, Josh? We've been, we've been talking for an over, over an hour, haven't we? Because I could yes. bang on about this for two more. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Oh, wow. The, the, the first thing to say is having, you know, uh, thanks so much for the, for the, um, for the, very very kind words about that um about that uh, version of the of the theme tune i i i i made it because i was um essentially because i was complaining about lots of the other versions of it and i want <laughs> I, I i wanted to um basically put myself in the hot seat and um and and stop my complaining by by realizing how how like sort of tricky it was to 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 do mm-hmm. a version of that of that tune um and and it proved to be so. It's it's a it's a it, it took me loads of time to pull that together over probably over about like sort of two years tinkering with it here and there. Um, and it's a it's a fiendishly difficult piece of music to um, make a version of without it sounding cheesy as hell. That's the bottom mm-hmm. line. It's kind of like it's again it's a deceptively simple like sort of set of components, and yet at the same time. You know, do it in just you know slightly the wrong sound, and the whole thing starts to sound like yeah. awful. Um, it just sounds very, very on the nose somehow. So, um, what would I be looking for for the new theme? I think uh, there's there's a little bit of me that kind of like hopes. I don't know if it's been confirmed that um, that Murray Gold's coming back onto the team this time around. I don't know whether there's well, we been d- any, we don't know any, yet. any we don't know any rumours or news rumors, about that. There's lots of yeah. rumours. Um, yeah. but we I don't actually of, know yet. Perhaps what I'll say is that I think I think like sort of the um in in the same way that the nine, that Delia Derbyshire's version of the tune 
was kind of um, was was absolutely what was needed for like, like the sixties and seventies. Sort of like mm-hmm. Murray Gold's first version for the two thousand and five revival was was absolutely perfect for that. And was yeah. kind of, I think I think it sums it up in the most amazing way. And I think that combination of the old, the, the fact that he m- mixed the elements of of the of the original you know original theme with. Yeah. Um, with kind of like that orchestral bombast, I think that worked absolutely perfectly for what um, for what Russell was building, and um, and I kind of I kind of hope that there might be sort of like a, a slight return in some ways to the um, to kind of like that that beautiful combination. If you, if you do, my theory is that if you add far too many kind of like standardized instruments to the Doctor Who theme tune, it somehow like sort of becomes a bit standardized and yeah and it feels like you know for instance I'm, I'm not i'm never a fan of adding drum kits to it and stuff like that because yeah. i think it kind of like reveals the slightly clod hoppy nature of the beat mm-hmm. <laughs> and um yeah. and uh, there's a there's a word of my grandma's for you clod hopping anyway um <laughs> the um that's the, the yeah, I, I sort I sort of feel like I, I hope I hope there's kind of like um, something that's found in that in that original simplicity and is emphasised and amalgamated in the same way that Mr. Gold did back in two thousand and five. Yeah, that's a wonderful answer. What uh, this is <laughs> a question from me. What what would you say is is your your gold standard? What's your favourite? My my favourite version of the of the theme. Your favourite version of the theme. Yeah. I think it's the one. Now, this is this is we're, we're getting into specifics here, but I think it's the one from yeah. kind of like the uh, the the specifically kind of like later Pertwee um, Tom Baker era when yeah. when the um, when the tape of the theme tune had started to get a bit worn and it begins to sound a bit like dub, you know, it's yeah. it's got <laughs> it's got a bit of distortion on it and and it started it started to kind of like they've they've added just a couple too many elements to it. And yeah. they've, they've played it a few too many times, and it starts to feel very, very hauntological at that point. And that's that's my favourite state for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a, that's that, that's that, that is up there. That's definitely up there. <laughs> Next question uh, is from uh, a man that you you may know, you may know quite well. Um, in fact, you've written for him a couple of times. Uh, it's Jonathan Carley. Uh, at Jonathan ah, Carly. Amazing. Um, <laughs> Jonathan said, uh, well, he put yes in big capital letters. <laughs> and he said, premium guest, Tim has written some of my favourite scripts. Just make sure he oh. knows this. Oh. Um, so I just wanted to include that, first of all. Um, and then he said, actually, here is a question. Uh, Tim's world building is incredible. But where do you start? Do the settings and characters lead the story, or are the settings and characters shaped by the story you want to tell? And are they based on anything in the real world, or just exploring ideas? Wow. Uh, well, first of all, right back at you. Um, we've we've never we never met, but maybe one day. Um, yeah. Oh, you've so never you've never actually no, met. No. Well, I suppose um, with lockdown and everything, it's the, yeah, you know, it's, it's, been... it's been tricky and an awful. Uh, there's there's an, obviously still an awful lot of remote recording because you know it's yeah. still it's still it's still one of the one of the one of the best ways of getting things done um, mm-hmm. at the moment for audio. And um, no, uh, but um, yeah. Uh, uh, so oh, world building. Wow. Okay. Um, it tends to be, generally speaking, it tends to be led by character, 
and I tend to I tend to take the uh, the best way I, I've got of answering this actually is is to talk about the best world building I know, which in mm-hmm. sci-fi, which is which is the first the first um, the original Star Wars film, and I think what a lot of people kind of like tend to forget because we're so familiar with it now is how little exposition there is in that film that's about the world that surrounds the characters. They mm-hmm. they just they just take it as read. They kind of like just get about the they get about their lives and it's very, very rarely that anyone's sitting around going, Well, this this is this is how this particular spacecraft works and we need to, you know, we need to make sure the audience knows exactly how it works. Otherwise mm-hmm. they're not going to buy this this story world. It 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 hardly ever happens in um in a new hope. Um so that's that's my that's my model, and I kind of like try to avoid um, as much as possible people talking about the world they're in. Of course, that's very very difficult in audio drama because you have to set about describing things um, yeah. very often through dialogue. But you just try. I, I just try and generally do that for a reason that's connected to character. So the only reason that someone will say something in, in particular about the story world, about the the the, the kind of like the, the environment that they're in. Um, it'll it'll be somehow subtly like sort of locked on to as well as subtly as I can. It'll be locked on to mm-hmm. something they need to do or something that they something that they're feeling quite a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's it's interesting that you mentioned before about world. I, I I'm sure you mentioned before about world building and the world building in Doctor Who being something that that drew you in. And yeah. like I said, you're you're. You you build such, in uh, rewind comes to mind in that like mm. within within minutes you're just you're in that day to day life, and yeah. you, you you feel you feel plonked in the middle of it like you're you're observing it as just one of the other people in the rewind. That's that that's what it feels like. You're you're walking amongst those streets, and you're living that day to day life. So world building yeah, is yeah. obviously very very key to your writing as well. It's interesting with Big Finish because you tend, um, I mean, well, always you have to like sort of pull together an outline. Um, you mm. have to pull together a one pager that can be read by the execs at Big Finish and then passed on to the BBC for for clearance. And and that is and so so you tend to find yourself doing a little bit of pre planning there because you don't want to rely on something that um, <laughs> yeah that is that is letting it trip you up that you haven't haven't included in that. Is vital to your story, and yet um, uh, uh, the bee might have a might have a problem with it and might not want it mm-hmm. included. Um, so a little bit of world building happens in advance with big finish stuff, but then I tend to find myself also discovering things. You know, um, as I as much as possible, I like to discover things as I go along, and it's only when I have to I ask myself how do, how do people sleep in this world? How do people like sort of use uh, other computers in this world? That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Then I then I start to like sort of fold those things in bit by bit, um, mm-hmm. and some and sometimes it's just on a whim, and then I have to follow through later on in the story, and sometimes surprising myself that way, putting in like for instance in Rewind that it's not a, it's not necessarily a very very you know heavily technological world, and their computers sound yeah. like they're from the nineteen eighties, all that sort of thing, um, that that kind of like led to. A, f- a feeling later on that I that I that I wouldn't necessarily have to that there'd be a little bit of fairy tale aspect to it, and so the castle fed into it and all that sort of mm-hmm. thing. And so it's it's sometimes just feeling your way musically, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. almost a musical act. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, that that was was bloody Twitter. Um, so thank <laughs> you. That we didn't we didn't manage <laughs> okay. to get through through all of the questions, but um, I hope you don't feel like that was too much of a grilling. But you no, know, they no. can be no, quite no, no. intense no. at times, my uh, my listeners. But they were some. I've, I've never I've never loved I've never loved Twitter more. No, no, that's great. <laughs> no, I don't think I don't think anyone. It's a very strange time to love Twitter. Um, yeah, yeah. especially um, <laughs> well I mean thank you for everyone who submitted questions and apologies if we didn't get around to yours um, but obviously you know we, we've got to move on we're, we're careering towards the end of the show um, we've yeah. got to keep that genesis of the Daleks pacing up um, <laughs> and we're going to move on to uh, our last feature uh, which is a very special one very close to my heart and we're, we're going to see whose portrait is about to be hung up in the Corridor of Fame. Have you ever been limited by who you were before? One day, I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Our lives are different to anybody else's. That's the exciting thing. Sarah Jane? Do I have the right? For some people, small, beautiful events is what life is all about. Yes, Like a huge boulder dropped in a lake. When it was a child, this dream that made him a doctor. He dreamt he was no more. So, for anybody at home who doesn't know, uh, the Corridor of Fame is, of course, a collection of people who have been submitted by my wonderful guests, um, and it's basically a Hall of Fame for, for for Doctor Who. It's 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 where people are celebrated. Uh, maybe they're unsung heroes. Maybe they're the legends of of Doctor Who. But um, here is where we get to chat about them and basically give them the praise they deserve. So. Um, Tim, I'm I'm fascinated to hear who have you chosen to go in the corridor of fame. Well, I'm glad that you said that it's a portrait that's hung up because in in the in the little document that, that you that you that you um, emailed me beforehand, it was like who would you like to be hanged in the port in, in the in the in the corridor of fame, and I had this kind of like almost vengeance on Varos style image. Oh, God. <laughs> no, no, God. <laughs> Yeah, oh, the, it's, a, the, it's a portrait. Okay, great. it's a portrait okay, that we're hanging. I won't, I won't, Maybe I, won't I need feel, to reword the document. <laughs> I won't. I won't feel bad about this then. Okay, yeah, right. Good. Well, um, well, I, if if I if I've ever had any idea of of what it is that I wanted to do as a career, if I, I very you know even even as a kid, I very rarely have sort of like a concept of like okay, so this is what I want to do for a living. But the closest thing I've ever ever got is that I wanted to um, become part of the Radiophonic Workshop. And mm-hmm. um, I uh, kind of like had this image of myself spending my, spending my life doing um, the... Uh, spending my life creating all the different spot effects for all these different worlds in Doctor Who. 
Um, mm-hmm. So I'd 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 like to um, put Dick Mills into the into the corridor. Oh, lovely, so lovely. I th- I th- I think uh, Mr. Mills might be. I don't know whether this is still the case, but he might be the most credited person in the history of the show. I think. Now that's fascinating. That's something and, I've actually been thinking about this recently. It's a question that I've asked myself. I've I've thought. Who's going to be the person with the most credits? Because a few people come to mind. Like, there, yeah. there's so many people, like... Because, uh, it de- obviously, it depends what you class as a credit. Sure. Um, but also, like, my, my mind always goes, well, Nick Briggs is up there. Like, yeah. Nick Briggs is is, credit, is in everything. And he's written yeah. so much as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But Dick Mills, Dick Mills is a is a is a great shout for it as well. So well, well, I mean, for, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think I think the, what the other side of it is that he might have done. He's probably done so much work that was uncredited as well, because you know, back mm-hmm. when back when I think there was a period where maybe um, Brian Hodgson was it who was who was doing the kind of like the the special sound aspects, the sound effects things for for the uh, for the earlier serials. Yeah, um, but but Dick Mills was still working on the program in some respect because he was the he was kind of like the technician for um for the Radiophonic Workshop. He was basically in charge of kind of like um, maintaining all the machines, and so found himself working on so many things that way. Found himself working on the original version of the theme tune because he was kind of mm-hmm. like operating an awful lot of the stuff that Delia Derbyshire was arranging. And yeah. you know he he was he was cutting up the cutting up the um, bits of tape for the bass line on it and stuff like that. So, so he's he's been there in so many other ways as well as all the all the ways in which he's kind of like being you know from from the seventies onwards or wherever it was being credited with with um, with special sound. Yeah, well, it's a it's a wonderful pick. I'm always fascinated by by the music of Doctor Who, um, and it's very fitting that we were that we had a, a chat about it before. Um, what, what what do you think is, I mean, because there's so many people that you could have picked, um, yeah. because there's so many so many people who've been involved in the in the sounds and the music of Doctor Who over the years. Why, why Dick why Dick Mills over them? What why do you think is it is it because of that that lasting legacy that how long he was involved for is it. I think it's a natural it's a natural prejudice as a sound designer myself <laughs> for, yeah. to, to to kind of like understand I think how I mean obviously we were talking earlier about the lighting um design for uh, Genesis of the Daleks and stuff like that and it, you know it doesn't mm-hmm. matter that the tiniest sort of thing that you see on screen and the and and plenty of stuff that you don't see on screen someone has someone has worked night and day to to get that to to the place where it is with Doctor Who um, mm-hmm. But I think that I think understanding as a sound designer how kind of like how much of um, our sort of like our appreciation for like sort of unusual worlds comes from um, from from the sort of designs that are, that are, the, the, the 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 sound effects the the things that kind of like drop in and out um, and sometimes work on our work on our subconscious as much as anything else the the nature of the hum. That runs through, you know, the Dalek city or whatever is going to sometimes yeah. ju- be be just as important as the Daleks themselves. Um, mm-hmm. The Dalek voice, for instance, is a, is a prime example of something where the where it might I don't know if it was Dick Mills himself, but somewhere along the line, um, someone will have will have discovered that through through trial and error and found the the best possible way of making that kind of like that um that ring modulated croak <laughs> and yeah you know 
Um, so, so it's. It, I think it's because I because he will have worked on pretty much every show from from whenever he took over um, for, with, with with a special sound um, right up until mm-hmm. kind of like um, survival, and uh, mm-hmm. and uh, and he would have and he would have most likely had a very 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 short time to respond to all of these things because. Um, yeah. It would have taken a while for the for the, everything to get edited, and the best time for him possibly to do his, you know, well, I, I know that the best time for him to do his work would have been um, in between the the final edit being available and the um, uh, and the and the show actually being broadcast, which back in the day would have probably been a very very short period of time. Yeah. Um, so he would have he would have been like sort of. Uh, hammering away on various synthesizers, you know, desperately attaching kind of like blaps and blips to different kinds of Gallifrey and Ray gun. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, it would it would have been a tough gig, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, wonderful pick. And Dick Mills <laughs> is in the Corridor of Fame, um, where he deserves to be. Uh, his, por- <laughs> his portrait has been hung up. In the corridor of fame, he's, he's also. Uh, I have to say, in the in the interviews that I've seen with him, he's also a remarkably like sort of normal guy doing a very very strange <laughs> job. Yeah, it's an incredibly <laughs> strange job. As, you know, it's it's not your standard nine to five, is it? Yeah. Um, but I mean that that brings us um, to the the end of the show. I mean, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. Oh, um, it's been wonderful. Josh. A, Thank you. Yeah, I mean, obviously. Everything that I've said about about your stories is is one hundred percent true. I mean, okay. I know you can't say anything because Nick Briggs will probably turn up at your house with with some armed men, um, and you do that, and, yeah, you do and, that, yeah, put you in the back of a car, and we may never see you again. But um, is the is the inclination that 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 we may see more of you in Big Finish in the future? Because I would love that. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna keep going as long as I'll have me. I mean, you know, it's uh, it's kind of Good. one of those things where because I, I I spend I spend a lot of time I spend a lot of time on Big Finish scripts. You know, yeah. arguably. Uh, like sort of uh, more time than I should in certain ways because I love reworking them and I love getting getting the voices of these characters that I love absolutely down and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I tend to, uh, as, as things stand, I tend to just kind of like do one a year, but it's always an mm-hmm. absolute joy to do it and they're such a brilliant team to work with and it's always in like kind of like, uh, it's it's always wonderful to kick around ideas for the next one and so I'm, I'm going to keep doing that for as, as long as they'll take my... Uh, like sort of my, mm-hmm. my, my you know kind of like my um uh, weird and wretched ideas yeah yeah good <laughs> well i i cannot wait to hear what you do next before we go mm. and i'm not going to lie for the first time ever i nearly forgot because we're having a great time um, oh, uh, i nearly forgot my final question um which i ask every week okay. and it's a tough one uh, okay. i'm not going to lie okay. a lot of people struggle with it uh Take the first bit okay. with a pinch of salt, but in a sentence ish. What does Doctor Who mean to you? More than anything else, it's been the myth in my life, the central myth that has told me that anything is possible. That's it. Oh, that is lovely. I love hearing the answers to that question. And that's <laughs> a great one. That's that's up there for me. That's oh I mean, I love that. Uh, anything can happen. And yeah. 
Yeah, that's it. yeah, that is. It's <laughs> never been more true, especially in in today's world. Sometimes sure, the bad sure. things happen, but look, <laughs> I, you know, very, very, very happy with that answer. Um, I mean, before we go, please, this is your time to plug away anything that you're doing, anything that you want to promote, and where people can find you. You go ahead and, and oh, tell yeah, everyone okay. who's listening. Well, tell you what, I mean, if no one's, if no one's, um, there, there's still something that's up on BBC Sounds, which is a, a project very, very close to my heart as well, which is called Forest Four Hundred Four. Um, and that's something that I wrote a few years back, which is um, it's a sci-fi eco-thriller. Um, it has lots of other different strands to the podcast as well, into not just the fiction that I wrote, but also like sort of non-fiction essays that are attached to it and some really, really gorgeous soundscapes. And um, for the Doctor Who fans out there, it's, it stars Pearl Mackey, who gives um, what I think is an absolutely astonishing performance as, as the hero oh, of the story, Pam. Um and um, she she plays an archivist in the future who basically hears um, this, uh, she she stumbles upon a tape um, of uh, rainforest. She has no idea what it is because the rainforests have died centuries beforehand. Um, mm-hmm. She tries to find out what it is, but there are people who want her stopped for some reason or other. And bit by bit, she finds out um, what her society that she lives in is based on, um, the foundations wow. of it just from this tape um and it's uh, yeah like i say great performance by pearl has some absolutely astonishing actors in it and um uh yeah is i think i, I think it's worth a listening <laughs> well, yeah. well definitely i i i definitely am going to be checking it out and i'm going to pop a link in the description for anybody who wants to check it out um and i'll also put a link to your page on the big finish website so if anyone wants to great. go and purchase any of the the stories that have popped up uh, that we've spoken about and any of other any other of Tim's work, you can go and find it there. Um, and on you're on Twitter as well, I believe at Tim. Yeah, Atac. at Tim Atac. Yes, that's right. Yes, lovely. Um, and you've been listening to Who Knew a Doctor Who podcast. You can find us wherever you get your pods, and on YouTube as well, where you can get lovely video versions and you can see our lovely faces as we chat away. Um, if you type in Who Knew, yeah, I'm sure you'll find it, but go to our socials. So on Twitter, it's Who Knew at Who Knew Podcast. Uh, you can find me on there at Josh Ryan Carr as well. And uh, on TikTok, because I'm down with the kids now, at Who Knew Podcast, <laughs> where I'll post clips uh, and other random shit that I spew out of my face um you can support the podcast as well on patreon for as little as one pound a month you can get early access to podcasts you can get uh bonus stuff um and i'll try and give you as much stuff as you can but mainly it's it's to keep the lights on and to keep the mic on um so that i can keep making these these lovely things um and you can get a bit of discount off our merch store as well there's going to be some new products dropping just some new t-shirts with with some new versions of the logo on so if you want a little uh, t-shirt and rep who knew you can go and purchase that um but uh, before we go again, Tim, thank you for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure. And Thanks, mate. Thank you. It's been no great. worries. No, honestly, absolute honour to have you on. Um, and please go and and check out all of Tim's stuff if you're listening. And please like, share, subscribe, whatever. Um, send this around. Show your mum, whatever. <laughs> and thank you, thank you all for listening. And I'll see you next time.
Massive thank you to all of our patrons, and especially Cal King. If you want to become a patron, you can join for as low as £1 a month and get loads of benefits and support the pod. Check out the link in the description. Thanks for listening to Who Knew, a Doctor Who podcast. You can check us out wherever you get your podcasts and now on YouTube. Please subscribe and leave us a review wherever you can as it really helps us out. And a massive thanks to the Sononauts for lending their cover of the Doctor Who theme to be the theme for the podcast.